Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Lift your eyes up, let your wise rise up See the signs of the times, if it's time Rise up, rise up When death and hell dwell among all God's people When those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil When the feast that feeds you starves our father's children When snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing Rise up, when famine claims millions When justice gives blind eyes to billions When the Lord's anger is no longer feared If his protection is gone and your enemies are near If you've seen the seas spill over And the mountains shake, break and fall If the moon ever turns blood red And you can't see the sun at all Rise up, no matter if the prize is high in the sky Peace and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network, a program that seeks to educate, inform, and agitate on the issue of 21st century legalized slavery. Hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Parthas and Black Talk Media Project founder Scotty Reed. On this program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, along with projects and people who help combat it. Today is the June 6, 2018 broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio, the anniversary of our program as we head into our seventh season. On and near this day in history, in order to challenge the 1890 Louisiana statute requiring separate accommodations for whites and blacks, Homer Plessy and the Committee des Citizens used Plessy's light skin to their advantage. On June 7, 1892, Plessy brought a first-class ticket on the East Louisiana Railway. He took a vacant seat in a coach reserved for white passengers. When Plessy was ordered to leave, he disobeyed. Policemen arrived and threw Plessy off the train and arrested him and threw him into jail. He was charged with violating the Louisiana Segregation Statute of 1890. His argument to the Supreme Court was that as a citizen of the United States, a resident of Louisiana, and of mixed descent, 
with unrecognizable colored blood, he deserves the rights and privileges secured to white people by the Constitution. Ultimately, the Plessy decision only opened the door for more segregation laws, which were also called the Jim Crow laws in 1954. 58 years later, the Brown versus Board of Education decision overruled the separate but equal doctrine. Then, on June 6th in 1831, the first annual convention of people of color was held in Philadelphia. One of their first recommendations was that the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States be read in our conventions, believing that the truths contained in the former are incontrovertible. Our guest tonight, and I'm proud to say this, is on our anniversary broadcast, is Dr. Will Boyd, Alabama Democratic candidate for lieutenant governor. We'll be talking a lot about Alabama in every context that we can tonight, recent and past history, and we'll do it as abolitionists. I look forward to the conversation with him. In direct action news, we want to continue to remind you about a call for a Juneteenth 2018 mobilization against prison slavery from SPARC this year. Supporters of Operation Push are calling on all opponents of mass incarceration and modern-day slavery internationally to honor the Juneteenth holiday, Tuesday, June 19th, with community organizing and direct action. And also another reminder, a nationwide prison slave labor work strike is being called for by the prisoners on August 27th through September 9th. Angola prison has already begun. If you know someone inside, tell them what's going on. And finally, the right to vote campaign needs your support. It is a nationwide campaign being initiated by people currently confined in the United States. The campaign grew out of the August 21st national prison strike demands Specifically, point 10, the voting rights of all confined citizens serving prison sentences, pretrial detainees, and so-called ex-felons must be counted. Representation is demanded. Our abolitionist tonight in profile is Alabama native James Gillespie Burney, 1792 to 1857, a major voice in the abolitionist movement of the 19th century and the first presidential candidate for the abolitionist Liberty Party. A rider of the 21st Century Underground Railroad is Anthony Ray Hinton, born June 1st, 1956. He is a black man from Alabama who was held on the state's death row for 28 years after being wrongfully convicted of the murders of two restaurant workers in Birmingham, Alabama in 1985. He was released in 2015 after the Supreme Court of the United States unanimously overturned his conviction and the state dropped all charges against him. As always, we have far more information available than we have time to share it. So we'll cover what we can while trying to stay on point. Tonight, it's about Alabama. Be sure to follow the information we provide to you on our Facebook page at New Abolitionist Radio so you can see it in real time as we talk about those stories. Also, remember to support our efforts by joining us as a member at community.blacktalkradionetwork.com. You'll find the links for today's program on our abolitionist planning page there. If you've got a question or a comment, you can call us at 704-802-5056. You can chat with us and others by logging in at uberconference.com slash Black Talk Radio Network. Once again, I'm Max Parthas. Happy anniversary, Brother uh, Scotty Reed. Hey, happy anniversary to you as well, Max, uh, since me and you have been consistent since day one, since the beginning of this program. Uh, day one was what? Uh, June the 5th, 2013, and me and you are still here. 
and but right. we've had other people who have uh, co-hosted at times, and their contributions are surely uh, valued. Um, real quick, I want to throw I, I want to throw a curveball at you for a second, Max. Now I know we won't be speaking till to our guests, and we're going to rearrange right. the program tonight. Uh, to the last half hour, so y'all stay tuned up so we can speak with uh, Dr. Will Boy, and y'all can hear that conversation or ask him any any questions. But since it is, I, I was able to go into the vault um, because in 2013 the current Black Talk Radio Network platform um, wasn't in existence. So I still have these podcasts and what have you, and I'm starting to hear myself uh, talk back to me, Max. Um, myself, uh, let me mute you. <laughs> yeah, let me mute you, man, because I'm hearing myself come back at me. Um, but any anyway, I was able to find in the vault um, my hard drive, the very first show from 2013. Um, so if you don't mind, if we could play play the first 15 minutes of that program, that very first program with yourself, myself. Erica Connor or Erica X and Paul Meadow Star. Um, I mean, just that I listened to some of the podcasts when I found it and published it yesterday, and it was very intense. But more importantly, you'll hear some seeds, um, you know, some verbal seeds planted that we, we've seen manifest uh, since. Uh, there was the, the issue of organizing on the inside was, was brought up. And then also, um, it was something else that Erica X had said. Now I posted, I made note of this on Facebook. So let me pull, pull up that right quick. Cause she says some. Oh yeah, she proposed congressional hearings without calling for congressional hearings. But if you listen to what she's saying, that's what she's talking about. And we are, we we are seeing or, more organization on the inside, and uh, hopefully later this year we may see some congressional hearings so you know just planting seeds man that i mean that's biblical scripture you know yep. right there planting seeds and then those seeds are late they hey they may not may not sprout the next year or two years or three years but who know if if you keep keep nurturing those seeds who know, you know you will reap a bounty. That's just spiritual right there at least the spirituality that I practice in. It was just surreal you know, listening to that, and then oh man, we've had these conversations recently, recently, and and how we've seen the abolitionist, the new abolitionist movement grown. Um, here, here's what I wrote: Erica X called for pushing for congressional hearings on the Thirteenth Amendment back in 2013. New abolitionist radio hashtag sees. Uh, stated in 2013, the Paul Meadows star that I was not willing to go as far as him and died to avoid the prison plantation, but I was willing to go into prison slavery and organize from the inside. New abolitionist radio seeds. Max? Man. That's awesome, Scotty. And by the way, I switched over to my phone, so if there's a echo, I can't tell you why now. Yeah, I'm not hearing the echo, echo now. Um, and then real quick, I just posted this to the planning page. But I got a Google alert because I have alerts out, you know, for news or on keywords. And Geo Group came up today. I got some news from Geo Group, and it's some interesting news in the private in in that sector. But this was reported today, 
And I just want people to know, because we had um, Sister Genevieve Jones-Wright uh, lose her bid for San Diego County District Attorney, but she still made an impact. She called out the GO group and the GOP for taking money from these private prison enslavers. And she uh, posted on Twitter that although she lost as a private citizen, she'll still be pushing, you know. And, and hey, I don't know how long that district attorney term is, but, hey, she can run again. But she ran a historic campaign as being, now I don't, I don't recall her really using this in her campaign videos or literature, but we played the uh, her answer to whether or not slavery was abolished when she was interviewed by, you know, our, our brother. What's the name of his media platform and his Facebook page where, you know, she acknowledged the 13th Amendment did not abolish slavery. But listen, here's the impact we've had since 2013 in calling out these private prison uh, stocks. Previous intraday trading performance. I got this from a financial um, uh, uh, website. The GL stock showed a previous change of 0.28% or 2.8% with an open at $25.24. And a close of 25.25. It reached an intraday high of 25 um, 57 in the lower 2519. Now again, they were almost put out of business if if uh, Barack Obama, instead of waiting to the last couple of months of his pr of his second term and did it during the first couple of months of his second term, private prisons might not even exist because just uh, him his administration announcing the policy that they were going to kill contracts with private uh, prisons. Those stocks took a nosedive, and they were only saved because those stock market closed that day at a certain time. But it said this is what this website, financial website, is saying about their liquidity. The stock has a market cap of three point one billion, with one two three point zero million shares outstanding. Uh, a hundred. So I guess that's one hundred twenty three million shares outstanding of which the float is 120.7 million shares. Trading volume reached 532,234 shares compared to its average volume of trading, which is 840,174 shares. Based on the current average volume and close price, the trade trading liquidity is bad, highly speculative, and an investor may want to avoid this stock. Now, I'm not going to pull up the piece, but I also, in those same uh, list of articles that triggered my keyword uh, on Geo Group, there was a company that I didn't see how much they divested themselves of Geo stock, but it was a significant portion for it to be noted in the financial you know, reports and what have you. So we just got to keep pushing teacher unions out there, uh, uh, unions, period, worker unions, all of this, you, you know, so we have had an impact. And so there, I, I love that their uh, stock is being eva evaluated as bad, highly speculative, and an investor may want to avoid this stock. Max? Uh, I'm glad to hear that, too. Uh, we've seen the stocks go through some serious ups and downs when it comes to the prison industry stock. Just do, their stocks, but also the jail bonds too. I mean, do, um, how much do you think 
us talking about that because nobody was really talking about them before, you know. But hiding, <laughs> calling these companies out by name consistently year in and year out, how much of an influence do you think we've had on on their public image? I think that CCA changed this name to Core Civic in order to avoid the stigma that we had placed on their name. Even Kanye West said about the CCA and the new slaves today, you know, remember? Yes. Like, it was out in the atmosphere like that. Uh, that's one of the many ways that I think that we had some influence because, again, we pushed the uh, politic politicians back to the wall. Uh, I was lobbying Senator uh, Sanders at the time, who uh, also uh, Hillary Clinton was quoting us and whatnot, you know, on air and listening to what we, was gonna, we were saying. And it just pushed Barack Obama into a position where he had to say and do something. And they had never had any intentions of actually ending the contracts. Those contracts are 25-year-long contracts that guarantee 80 to 100% occupancy in their prisons, which is crazy to begin with. So they weren't really planning on getting rid of them. They just had to say something. And just saying something cost those prison companies billions in a single day. Their stock went all the way down, and the only reason that they did not go out of business that day is because Wall Street chose to stop trading on those stocks specifically. We almost killed the dragon that day, man, just with a little bit of influence and push it, you know, the butterfly effect. So, Max, what do you think about my ideal? Let's give first a listen to the 15, first 15, 20 minutes of our first show. It's an hour-long podcast. Um, and here's some of those seeds. I think it was kind of prophetic. And and then after that, we can uh, go into our regular segments, which we're going to do early so that we can devote, yes. you know, enough time. So you want me to go ahead and cue that up? Yeah, yeah. And I just want to say this is when we first started, man, we didn't have an introduction or nothing. We were just like pulling it together to do what we had to do. So, yeah, go ahead and play, Scott. Um, 
Yes, um, again, welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. Uh, this is a collaboration between myself, uh, Max Parthis, and of course, Sister Erica Connor, who I have worked with there in the, in the past. Uh, we used to produce a very popular radio program called Sister on the Mission back in the, uh, our slave days on Blog Talk Radio, uh, but we're far removed from that platform, and we're kicking it here on Black Talk Radio. Um, what we did was uh, started a new group. Um, you may may have seen it posted in the messages that were sent out uh, for the show, the promos. And the name of that group is Move to Abolish 21st Century Slavery. And, you you know, the main mission of this program, which is an extension of the group, is to just educate the public in general that slavery still exists it was never abolished check out the 13th amendment read it come back and tell me if you disagree um so some of the things that we are looking at doing in addition to public education is also coming up with uh projects where we can uh actively not passively but actively get involved in exposing those individuals corporations and banks that are engaged in 21st century slavery and human trafficking and you know i'm just looking forward to seeing what we can do uh with this program and with the group um of course building on the work of others that have come before us but we feel like you know um we need to uh, uh lend a hand in this new uh abolitionist movement you know uh I've been doing this most of my life, as a matter of fact. And uh, I remember earlier we was talking about, you know, today we would do an introduction of who we are and why we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Maximus Parthus. Uh, I'm the, in 2010, I was ranked the uh, number one spoken word poet in America by the National Poetry Awards. Uh, I've had all kinds of awards and, and uh, accolades over the years, but mainly it's always been because of being an actionist. My wife and I have been doing this together for a couple of decades. Our family's involved. Um, we've decided that this is our main goal here with our art and our movement through Prismatic Dreams, our main website, and MaximumImpactPoetry.com, Whisper Words, Poetry, Mixtapes, and all the things we work with in media over the, year, over the years to direct our energy into this movement. Uh, nothing is more important at the moment. I mean, I'm looking around and I've seen a lot of issues. And and my wife and I had to weigh our options because literally we're willing to put our life on the line, as Brother Scotty Reed has said on numerous occasions. And nothing is more important than freeing our people from slavery because slavery never ended. And once you come to that conclusion, you have to understand just how how much of a priority this thing is. So, again, I'm Max Arthur. That's where I'm from. That's why I'm here today. Uh, Erica, would you like to introduce yourself? I sure would. Um, my name is Erica Connor, um, and I go by Erica X. X is my legal last name, but um, Connor is my slave last name, given by my family, of course. We'll um, make sure we change I, that, Sister Erica. Okay, no problem. Um, I am yeah, I'm an activist. I um, I have um, I have magazines. I have different things I do in different cities to help bring awareness to missing children and education. I joined this movement because um, things in my own family. I've seen some of my family get caught up in in the in the jail or in this um, slavery, um, new, new Jim Crow myself, and I just see how it, it tore our family down, 
and I see it continuing to tear families down all across America. I sit in courtrooms daily, and I can tell you that, <clears throat> excuse me, nine times out of ten, well, it's hard. It's high. If you don't believe me, go to go to your, go to your local courts and check this out. That our African Americans or whatever they want to be called have an all white jury. And if yes, you understand, yes, okay. So it is, and we have to fight against that. We need to fight for a jury of our peers. I understand that all people have been um, have been uh, in prison, and, and and this goes across all color lines. However. We're in prison at a higher number, and that's why I want to get involved, because I think all people should have a fair representation, and I want to get rid of this slavery. It's a, it's a mark on the country. It's just, it's just wrong, and I want, to, I, want to, I want to do something in my generation to, to make a stand. That's why I'm here. Wow. If I could only hear a million more say exactly that last statement, it would be a wonderful thing, man. <laughs> Bravo to you. Thank you. Well, that's who we are, and uh, we're here today to, to start making some change. Now, it is true, and you're going to see this over the coming weeks, that we don't always agree on every little item, but we do agree on, on the things that matter, and I think that's going to make a difference, and we can set an example for those around us to do the same thing, so eventually we can all be fighting for the same reasons. You know, I see that in my community, in the, uh, the arts community, very often, where it's such a diverse amount of people and and the things mm -hmm. that they're after, but they don't really agree on the primary issues. It's the same thing with Occupy Wall Street. You know, there wasn't really any primary issues. This has got to be it, man. I don't know how I can impress upon my peers. This has got to be it. There's so much death. There's so much slavery, so much poverty. Almost everything that's going on, you can trace back to this. Yes. I totally agree with that. And I, 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 will, I would urge the listeners and us as well to get all the books and all the information that we can on um, this prison industrial complex. Um, it's Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow. There's a lot of those that are just so pertinent to, this, to what we're talking about right now, and we can loop it all into uh, to getting, rid of, getting rid of this slavery in the 13th Amendment. It has to go. We're not a third world country. Why are certain people treated that way? And we need to get rid of it. Um, one one thing, and I um, do want to go ahead and give out the numbers. Uh, this is an informal program. We invite uh, listeners to call in uh, and share their thoughts on this system. And I want to give out that telephone number. It is, uh, if you're listening, should be right there in front of you on the broadcast page and in the information that was sent out, but I'll give it out anyway. It The number is 218-862-7200, extension 62 triple nine zero that's three nine six two nine 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 zero um if you just want to listen that's fine all of us don't have smartphones so that's why we set up the conference line so those dumb phones can call in okay so um yeah then hit five star on your keypad that'll let us know you know that you want to add to the conversation but i want to uh before we go to the lines we do have a caller that wants to speak but before we go to the lines i want to reiterate or build upon something that um that max said and um even erica touched upon that this affects 
all people regardless of color yes we know that black people are the primary targets of the human traffickers and enslavers um, but they also target people uh, based on their social economic status so you know a lot of poor white people is going to prison too um, of course uh, blacks are followed in number by Hispanics and can't forget my Native American brothers and sisters as well that are being enslaved on the prison plantation but you know um, for for those that are members of the Black Talk Radio Network, you know that we had another program to focus on this issue. And while I won't call out that organization by name, you know, because it wouldn't serve any purpose, and I don't want to be like, you know, seeming like I'm vindictive, but the reason that I had to cut ties with them is because they wanted to exclude people based on their other political religious uh, uh, views. And I just have a disagreement with that. I feel like, you know, like Max said, we're not going to agree 100% on everything. You know, I was married for five years, and it's probably why I'm divorced, because we didn't agree on enough stuff to stay together. But, um, you know, if you feel like, if you agree with us that slavery was never abolished, that it is a big problem and that it is an evil institution and you want to lend a hand to bring an awareness, to bring an attention and, and participating in projects to target the human traffickers and enslavers, then I don't care about nothing else. What you do outside of the group, uh, what you post on your Facebook page, on your Twitter account, that's your business. As long as you stay focused on the issue of 21st century slavery, when you come to our group, move to abolish 21st century slavery, we will not turn you away. And, and before I go to the phone lines, uh, I would like to ask the co-hosts, I mean, do y'all agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I, I would like, yeah, I, I do. I totally agree with that. I would like to state, however, that, where I stand from, because I'm an activist, I stand on the part of us being oppressed, but I welcome anyone. But that's just because you have to help. Um, I just see it more because of who I am and how it affected me. And so I see how it affects African-American people and poor people. And that's the, that's the avenue I, I attack it from. But I, I totally agree that any doesn't matter what type of religious background, what your political, that doesn't matter. As long as we want to get rid of this, I totally agree. Yep, and, and I'm the anarchist of the group. I'm the barbarian. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. I definitely agree on that. Good evening, everyone. This is Will Boy. For a common goal, I'm, I'm happy. I don't want us to be here for a million different reasons. I want us to be here for one reason: to end slavery. Okay, we're going to pause it there. There seems to have been a scheduling mix-up, uh, Max. Let me get you unmuted. But I think we have Mr. Will Boyd. Um, wasn't expecting you, sir, but we certainly can just go ahead and bring you on in. Um, uh, but, Max, we'll finish up because um, we need to hear them seeds, man, uh, that prophetic uh, language uh, from that very first show, June 5th, 2013. Again, you've been listening to our debut broadcast on, on that date, which we feel like, you know, played a heavy role and planting the seeds for the birth of the new abolitionist movement. But Max, um, we have our guest, uh, Dr. Will Boyd. Um, I see another caller, but we're not taking calls from the public right now. But um, we will certainly uh, bring you in for your questions or your comments. But Max, if you want to take over, we do seem to have our guest, Dr. Will Boyd, on, who is uh, running for lieutenant governor as a Democrat in the state of Alabama. Max. 
Can't hear you, Max. Unmute your phone. Uh, Max Parkes. Okay, I, I I did the wrong one. That's right. There's your phone right there. My bad, Max. Give me just a second. The board's acting kind of funny. Scotty? Yes, we got you now, Max. Thank you. you hear me now, Scotty? Yes, sir. Okay, cool, cool. It was nice to listen to those feeds, and I do want to hear the rest of it. But uh, uh, as you said, we're expecting uh, our guest about uh, 9.30 our time. But he's here, and I'm glad, because that gives us more time to talk about the issues that we want to talk about. Our guest tonight is Dr. Will Boyd. He's the Alabama Dem Democratic candidate for lieutenant governor. And uh, we uh, hope that he will share some of his vision for a Alabama with us tonight and also speak about the issues that this show is all about, that this program is all about. So welcome to New Abolitionist Radio, Dr. Boyd. I'm glad to have you here. As a, it's good to have you here as a guest. Thank you so much, sir. I'm so glad to be here, especially on this uh, seventh anniversary, the seventh season. Uh, yes, this sir. is a great, great time to be here, and I'm sorry I'm interrupting those seeds. I really wish we could hear them. Uh, I'm sure that we'll have an opportunity. Uh, you may even hear them later on this evening. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is the conditions that brought you to the point you're at today. And, you know, normally there isn't an election for a lieutenant governor. There's a reason that there's an election for a lieutenant governor this time, and mainly that's because of this. Constitution in the Alabama state of Alabama doesn't allow doesn't have uh, you know a, a series of people that would go to fill that void. And when the most recent governor had to resign in shame, uh, who was also involved in corruption and cheating on his wife with his mistress and all kinds of other things, that uh, brought the lieutenant governor into the acting governor stance, and which opened up the door for the elections that you are a part of now. Uh, am I correct on that so far? Yes, sir. Uh, and, of, of course, uh, I'm running for lieutenant governor. I am the Democratic nominee. Yesterday was our primary in Alabama. So on June 5th, we picked up nominees for every office. Uh, my opponents are still actually in a runoff state, so they have another month to battle it out. But I am the one who will be on that ballot in November. I'm running, Max, because uh, I want every Alabamian to have a fair shot at the American dream. I want to make sure that we have stronger economy with higher paying jobs, affordable health care for Alabamians, every child to have the highest quality education. But as you well know, we have a state, and, and, and for that matter, the whole United States uh, disproportionately uh, has some people who struggle more than others. So I have championed uh, the way I, I, I feel led as a pastor, I'm a bishop, uh, I've studied and been to a number of schools. I, my undergrad is in engineering, a master's in business administration, uh, Christian clinical therapy in terms of my doctorates, uh, also uh, management organizational leadership, uh, religion. Uh, I've been just put in different roles throughout my lifetime. I've published books. I've lived overseas. Uh, but what burdens me probably more than anything uh, outside of the church, if I could just say it that way, is the fact that we have so many challenges, particularly in the African-American community, that, that lead to a disproportionate amount of, of people being incarcerated. And so I, I strongly believe that while it, it's important for me to make sure that our 75,000 unemployed go to work, we find the right skill set for the 36,000 jobs that are empty because you won't have the right work, I want to go beyond making sure everybody has access to affordable health care, 
and quality education to say, I want to see us go into the prison system and make sure that we introduce higher education, uh, post-secondary learning to that population. I want to make sure that we overcome poverty, inadequate housing, and unemployment. I want to make sure that we address recidivism. I want to make sure that we address the disproportionate amount of African-Americans that are incarcerated, even though we have a lower percentage makeup in the population. So I, I, I've rolled out a number of plans, a, a number of policies that, that, that I believe are going to really show people that my race is not one where I intend to fight or go negative with my opponent. I'm going to show everything that we need to do, and I believe we're going to see a totally different Alabama when we do this. Well, you know, that, uh, that all sounds wonderful, but uh, you and I have talked on uh, several occasions now, and uh, Absolutely. often I felt like that we have been on the same page when it comes to what's happening in our prison systems, the brutality of it, the unfairness of it, uh, the way that they are literally be people being criminalized. And I also mentioned to you last time and gave you a, a video that you can watch at your leisure about what was going on in the prison systems in Mississippi. Uh, if you remember that, uh, where the whole state's prison systems have been found to be corrupt. And uh, many of the people involved right, right now are serving prison time already, including the longest-running commissioner in the history of Alabama, uh, and that was Christopher Epp. And apparently we found out that there are some ties between what was going on in Mississippi's prison systems, which many people are doing prison service terms now, and Alabama's prison systems. And the connection is particularly found in the healthcare provider, which is the same service that uh, the federal government is suing right now in Mississippi, them along with 15 other companies that are exploiting prison. So apparently the governor, who you will be following up on and becoming lieutenant governor, just signed a deal with this company for $260 million. I think it was $260 million. Or it might have been 360 I'll have to look it up and let you know in a few moments. But I was wondering how you feel about that. And remember when I asked you before, if you found out that this type of thing was happening, how would you react? I'm very curious how, uh, how you, what you think of this company that is providing health care for the prison systems in Alabama in no big contracts that are also being sued by the federal government right now for what they're doing in Mississippi? First of all, uh, we have to make sure that we, uh, as the Alabama Department of Corrections, or any Department of Corrections for that matter across the United States, have wardens and people who are in leadership who not only are concerned about the safety of the staff, the, the workers, but even more so the prisoners themselves. And any time such corruption is discovered, I think it is, the, it, is, it is imperative that we, the leaders in government, make sure we stop such unethical practices and only bring in people who are going to model the best ethical standards and behavior. problem I have with this uh, privatization of prison systems is that we spend, you know, I quote Frederick Douglass all the time. You know, we, 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 we don't mind, you know, housing broken men, but we don't go back to the root cause and, and figure out why these things occur. Uh, we we want to spend money building, even in Alabama, hundreds of millions of dollars building new prisons before we even go and try to properly staff the prisons that we already have. We have one prison particularly that needs at least 90-plus people on staff working, and we're running with under 50. We have, we have 
some places, believe it or not, where some inmates, I'm told, and I know we have listeners uh, perhaps of all ages, but instead of sanitation pads are, are, are using towels. And, 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 and this is totally unacceptable. It is not right. Uh, we need to make sure that we invest in our prison systems. If we're truly to be about rehabilitation to get people back into society, they should have adequate and above adequate but a decent health care. They should also be at a point where they're able to receive treatment and vocational training uh, to, 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 to overcome substance abuse. Uh, you may or may not know this, but the Alabama Department of Corrections has a two-year contract, $18.7 million contract with a private company to provide substance abuse treatment and job training to hundreds of inmates. And they trim that from $18.7 million down to $3.8 million. Now, how can you rehabilitate? How can you fairly take care of the imprisoned population if you have dropped a budget over $15 million for treatment, uh, for, for, for making sure uh, they, 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 are, they are better coming out? So I have a serious problem. And I don't know if the listeners know this or not, and I, most Alabamians are probably hearing this for the first time from me. Uh, as I'm on the campaign trail, the lieutenant governor makes over 400 different appointments to 167 different boards, agencies, commissions. I give you and the people of Alabama my word tonight that I would never appoint anyone to such a position who has such an attitude about the prison system or any type uh, government entity for that matter. We need people who want to protect every Alabama. We've all had different struggles, and I'm sitting right now in my church office, believe it or not, with people, white and black, running around on different levels around me. So I, I'm, I'm very firm and, 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 and very adamant about making sure everybody has a fair shot, everybody has a chance. And we, we have to make sure we model the right behavior. So I'm, I'm going to shut up and back down for a second to say uh, it's not just that health care provider, but any provider that even wants to do good, but we have people who want to trim back dollars, like I said, from $18.7 million, $3.8 million. That needs to be investigated. We need to, we need to put it on the table and, and, and bring it to light that if we are willing to put, again, hundreds of millions of dollars into building new prisons, how in the world can't we find $18 million to properly take care of the health care and the abuse treatment uh, that people need behind bars? So. That, that yeah. is a big problem for me. I have a if you remember, question. the governor, before Matt, he was forced Matt. to step down, asked for $800 million uh, hey, for the prison system. That's no drop in the bucket. That's nearly a billion dollars. Max Parker. Uh, go ahead, Scotty. Yes, I, I have a question uh, for Dr. Will Boyd. Now, before I say this, I am a nonpartisan voting person. I don't vote for parties. I vote for people and the policies that they represent. And I can appreciate your policy uh, vision uh, for the people of Alabama. But you mentioned a key uh, ideological uh, difference in, in between the Democrats and your, I don't know, you know, your Republican opponent. I don't know who that is. But I know that one of the differences between Republicans and Democrats that they do not agree on is all of this privatization. They talk about doing it right. with Social Security, had to fight back on, on that. But it's increasingly, you know, nobody's really connecting it to the private prisons. And again, this is New Abolitionist Radio, as we stated on, you know, uh, you might have heard on our recording 
Our mission was to educate the public to connect the criminal justice system to slavery, the new form of slavery that was created by the 13th Amendment, which says involuntary servitude and slavery shall be abolished except as a punishment for crime. And and the Alabama state constitution has the same thing as most of the other states reflect this language. And and then immediately following that, you know, the ride, we saw private prisons built the convict leasing program. And this is all going on today. I live in the state of North Carolina, sir. Uh, the NC, the ACLU here in North Carolina just uh, sent out a tweet the other day naming at least five different industries that were profiting off of the labor of these prisoners, even fighting fires I discovered. I thought that was like a unique program to California because that's the only you know reporting I saw on it. But the ACLU said... North Carolina prisoners are being used as, as as firefighters. So so do you see that connection, sir, that we still dealing with stuff that immediately followed um the passage of the thirteenth amendment or the ratification of the thirteenth amendment in eighteen sixty five and if we uh, uh review that history where it connects and we see the same practices today? I do. And and I'm I'll probably shock you to say we just had a U.S. Senate candidate who was on the ballot last year in a race that I was running in who actually didn't want there to be anything beyond the 10th Amendment. So let's go to the 13th Amendment for a minute. That exclusion clause is probably what gives people the, the mindset that they can have a pipeline to prison system where they can enjoy $50 billion in profits every year as people are just thrown in. But let me let me give you facts you already know the fbi has showed there's been a consistent drop in crime since the 1990s and actually if you go further back through the bureau of justice statistics they will tell you that crime victimization has even uh declined since the 1970s so with that being said nearly 50 years of a decline we still have politicians who believe that it's important to be hard on crime and by hard on crime they mean just send everybody lock them all up there, there has to be equal justice for equal crimes, equal sentencing. They have to be fair sentencing. There has to be a, a process that stops a pipeline of people, again, disproportionately being thrown behind bars for reasons that others may not even go to prison, and they struggle to get out. Uh, we, we, we are also dealing with not only uh, what you just mentioned behind the bars because of the exclusion clause, but we, we actually have only African-Americans comprise about 13% of the population, but we represent 40% of the country's inmates. So somebody needs to look at that and, and ask, why is that that we, according to a 2013 U.S. Sentencing Commission finding, why is it that we serve longer sentences than our counterparts? Uh, you know, crime rates in black communities have declined faster than the other community but yet African-Americans are remaining behind bars for longer periods of time. So, yeah, I, you know, the exclusion clause may very well allow people to take advantage of people behind bars when it's just the opposite. The, the goal should be rehabilitation for those who aren't there for life, obviously, so that they can come out and do well. So we have a lot of uh, ways in which we, through the privatization of prisons, make money by keeping people in prison. And that, that has to stop. We have to uh, look at why we have so many people 
who have minor infractions, uh, one slip-up, one error, and all of a sudden they're finding themselves in jail without parole, in jail without any opportunity to ever get out. These are things that we have to work on. And, and, and I don't know any other candidates that are speaking boldly uh, towards the issues. Um, I'm doing I, it I, recognizing I, I that I may not have this shot again. God gave me this opportunity to do it. And I'm going to speak truth everywhere I go. So I, I don't know what the other politicians may tell you, but I'm telling you that that, that exclusion clause should come out. Well, you have uh, another Democrat running for um, thinking, what is it, Max State House uh, District 33, Scott Brewer, who's been a guest on uh, New Yeah, Ab- yeah. Scott yeah. Brewer. So Good I man. think I think you might find an ally in him on some of these oh, issues. Oh, yeah, he is, he is, he is. Hey, um, Dr. Brewer, I mean, not Dr. I'm just talking about Scott Brewer, and I'm like, Dr. Brewer. Will, Will, I'm here. When he yes, says sir. Scott, I was thinking of Scott Brewer when I said it. In any case, uh, Dr. Boyd, I would like to share with you a couple of quotes from articles regarding the uh, deal that's going on with this health care provider in Alabama. So you can be aware of it. And these are important quotes. I'd like to hear you, your, your thoughts on that. And then after we do that, I want to play a short video clip. You'll hear the audio of it. It's a couple of your uh, uh, people that you'll be working with speaking about what they're doing with the prison systems in Alabama. It's uh, Chairman Troy Stubbs, from the County Commissioner for District 3, and Senator Clyde Chambliss. And uh, ALReporter.com, it says, an Alabama Legislative Oversight Committee is pumping the brakes on a $360 million contract between the Alabama Department of Corrections and a Pittsburgh-based prison health care provider. The Legislative Contract Review Committee delayed the proposed contract with Wexford Health Sources Thursday after lawmakers expressed concern over Mississippi's corrections bribery scandal involving the company. So that's the first one. Then the second one is more recent. Uh, First, they stalled this bill because of that scandal, and then it was uh, signed by the governor. It says a company selected to provide health care for Alabama's prison system is being sued by the state of Mississippi for its alleged role in a long-running bribery scheme. The Alabama Department of Corrections said it picked the Pennsylvania-based Wexford Health Source Incorporated to provide medical care in state prisons and contract negotiations should be complete by February. Commissioner Jeff Dunn said that the company one of four to submit proposals was picked based on a combination of quality and care and overall cost. But Wexford is among a dozen companies sued by the state of Mississippi in February for allegedly using consultants to pay bribes and kickbacks to then Mississippi Prison Commissioner Chris Epps, who was sentenced to almost 20 years in prison in May following this bribery scheme. Your thoughts on that? Uh, Dr. Boyd, All right, well, Dr. Boyd, do Dr. we still Boyd? have you? I'm sorry. I was on mute again. I, <laughs> I, I responded on mute. Sorry about that. I was expressing again, uh, obviously, my objection to the privatization of the prison system. I am definitely uh, believe whenever you have a bribery scheme that has been revealed, which I consider an unethical practice, we don't need to deal with that particular individual company at all. Uh, right. So I do have a problem with that uh, being signed. 
Now, you have to keep in mind all three branches of government morally failed in Alabama. Uh, so that's why I'm running for office. We had the legislative, the judicial, and the executive branch all to fail. Uh, that's why our lieutenant governor is the governor. That's why uh, the chief justice was twice removed, and I can keep going on with, with, with every branch of, of, of our, our government. So to all of a sudden believe that uh, there were no ethical practices uh, in the past, I mean, that, obviously that would be uh, 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 something that's just not true. We, so that's why we, we need ethical, accountable leaders in office who are transparent. And when I see something like this, whether they provide quality care, whether the cost is overall, comparatively speaking, lower than others, we find out that there were people involved with bidding, there was a bribery scheme, that should have been shut down, should not have been signed. You have to keep in mind, we also just tried to pass a law that we call the wolf in sheep's clothing law, which would have allowed politicians to basically uh, be treated, if you would, like lobbyists, or, or, or it would allow them opportunities to do certain things uh, that, that they otherwise not would not be able to do as politicians. So in Alabama, this is why we need to restore trust and, and, and make sure we have some people in office who are going to fight against issues like these. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate your answer on that. Um, as a matter of fact, as I mentioned earlier, the governor has already signed this $360 million deal, and that's in addition to the $800 million that was asked for by the governor. And we're only talking about a prison population of 30-some thousand people. So basically you're saying that every prisoner in every cell is going to get uh, six to $8,000 a year worth of medical coverage. I don't get six to $8,000 a year in medical <laughs> coverage, and we know damn well those prisoners aren't going to get it either. So that's just right. the way you things go. So it's something that you'll be walking into because you're walking into the history of corruption in Alabama that is thick. Just since oh. 1990, we've had three, you've had three governors who have either went to prison or been prosecuted. And just last oh. year, the oh. Speaker of the House was Next. prosecuted on uh, ethics violations just last year. So you're walking into a system where this type of greed and corruption and sell your mother for a dollar ideology is rampant, and you have to be strong in the Lord to be able to manage through that. Hey, Max. Um, Absolutely. And, and I uh, think the way you, me, the Dr. Way you Dr. bring Will. some of this home is that you explain what the impact is to every every American household. And if I could just be, again, very, very, very uh, blunt. Before, before you do, Dr. Will, about, Dr. Will, I'm sorry yes, to interject, but our time with you is limited, as is our time in the show and we did want to remind, give at this time, if you don't mind, sir, some uh, questions from any audience members, callers on the line. Just hit star, star. Yes, that number is 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. Hit star, star to unmute yourself. And we uh, just got one uh, from a listener to the program and a radio host on the network, uh, Brother Jenna of um, uh, Real Life Radio. Do you have a question? Uh, greetings to everybody on the call tonight. How are y'all doing? Peace, bro. Fine, sir. Greetings to you. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, I have a question about uh, about Alabama in particular, not not as far as to because uh, I know what the show is about, but I I want to ask about Pacific places, uh, Gaston County, and uh, Rainbow City. I know it's, it is a lot of uh, racism that, that happens in that particular place. I stay in, 
I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee, so I'm on the board of Alabama, but I have family that's down there, and I know they go through a whole lot of racism, whether it's uh, being beat up, arrested, but not arrested. I'm not sure if you know what that means. That means that when you get the cuffs put on you, get get uh, scruffed up, and then they let you go. A lot of this stuff goes on down there. I wanted to ask you specifically, what are your aims for the uh, for the racism that's practiced in Alabama? Not not just the prison system, but just the uh, the brutality that people have. So when they do see those uh, blue and red lights, whether they did something or not, they start acting a, a particular way. Uh, brother Jerry, how do you plan? Yes, sir. Brother Jerry, um, so. You don't have to agree with this, uh, Dr. Will Boyd, but we use certain language in the abolitionist movement. And what Brother Jerry's referring to is what, what in political correct terms they call policing, but we call slave catchers. And again, there's that historical connection of the slave correct. patrols being converted into police departments. And of course, who was enforcing and rounding up all of these uh, black people uh, during the so-called Jim Crow black codes and, and you know the whole history of that and how they use right. those laws against so he's talking about slave catching and, and brutality which which again you just mentioned explaining um, how it affects all American households you know it happens to blacks disproportionately but I'm, I'm sure uh, people of different classifications uh, other so-called minority groups are victims of, of police brutality. Would you? Early, he wants to know early, what your plan is to do something to uh, bring yeah. that to a halt. Yes, yes. Thank First you, of all, I, I know, I, I know the you, show Jerry. is limited, but so you're not misinformed or, or misunderstood what I said. The impact on every family. What I was speaking about is how much it costs five hundred dollars a year for every American household for that particular $8,000 medical coverage for every inmate. That's what I wanted to throw at you earlier. Uh, as it relates to policing, slave catching, brutality, behavioral therapy, whatever you want to call it, uh, every time I drive through a certain part of my area in North Alabama heading home from Montgomery, uh, I'm usually stopped, probably because the car I drive and the fact that I have on a shirt, tie, bow tie, uh, and, and, and usually not for anything at all. And it's whenever, obviously, I cut the cabin lights on and they're made aware who I am that they quickly let me go. Uh, but there are some people who are not in that same position. Uh, let me just tell you, I've been in that position myself where I came in on casual clothes and was surrounded by people. And I, I'm going to give disclaimer, in South Carolina, my home state, uh, I was actually stopped, apprehended, uh, and, and they had a description for an African-American. They believed that I fit that description on a Saturday of a ball cap and a T-shirt. They thought I robbed a bank, and I just come off a fishing bank. And so I don't even need to go into that story about how many African-Americans fit that description that day and what I had to go through. My cousin, just so you know, was actually a decorated military uh, soldier, a military, military veteran who actually was struggling with uh, – uh, an issue, mental health, and that particular day did not even have his medicine. And when the when when patrolmen were called, he was actually killed, and he was unarmed. So if, when we start talking about 
brutality and all these you know terms number one we only have 250 highway patrolmen in the state of alabama who are on the street i have friends fraternity brothers who are wearing the blue uh and and, and i respect uh people who are in law enforcement however african americans are unfairly being hit being 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 attacked in this manner and the way that we stop it is to raise the awareness by doing what you're doing on the program but also putting somebody in office who can actually pass legislation or actually bring awareness at a level what i could as, as lieutenant governor a bully pulpit make it known to the whole state that this type of action will not be tolerated i close by saying our own city uh passed passed a bill, not even a bill, but they passed a referendum a few weeks ago saying that we don't tolerate such hate, such racism. And they didn't have to pass it. They were very bold and they did it. But it takes more steps like that to make sure we expose it when it occurs and that we stop it from ever taking place. I remember you said at any given time I have access to 35 senators that I will talk to. I will walk through That's every right. aisle, every office, and try to bridge that gap. And uh, absolutely that's what we do to see yes, you sir. do. We do oh, have one Lieutenant more call, Governor, Max. You are the, I'm, I would be the president of the Senate. One more Gregor, call. I can talk to every one of the 35 senators. We can talk about what issues we're facing. And yes, you mentioned Gaston. You mentioned Rainbow City. But let me just be very blunt. And and you all have to re- realize now as the nominee, I'm sure people are probably listening. And everything I say, they'll use as a soundbite. But I'm more concerned not necessarily about people who may be trying to engage in these activities at night with handcuffs, whatever it may be. I'm even more concerned about the people who sit behind the desk in the white shirt with these attitudes and cause people to miss out on opportunities, to cause people not to go to certain uh, schools, to cause people not to take certain jobs. When asked a few weeks ago by a Republican-leaning newspaper, what is the greatest social ill in Alabama right now? I know they wanted me to say abortion, I know they wanted me to talk about same-sex marriage. I told them racism is the problem. Now, here's what I mean about white-collar, if you would, uh, catching. I'll just say it that way. We have 155 different licenses that are required just to get an occupation in Alabama. We take in $80 million a year for licenses and $30 million additional to keep people with licenses. That means the, 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 the massage therapists, the, 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 the people who were in the nail parlor, the people who were in the barbershop, on and on and on, they have to struggle to get money to get a license than to keep a license. And disproportionately, guess which population suffers the most? African-Americans first, Hispanics second. It is not just on the streets late at night in, in, in these areas you mentioned, but it's happening in broad daylight in businesses as well. And until we address racism and the, and the issue that you're talking about today, modern-day slavery, we're going to see people continue to struggle. But I believe God. I'm in the church right now. I believe God that there are loving people on both sides of the aisle, white and black, Hispanic, who want to work together and bring the change we need in Alabama. Uh, Dr. Boyd, there's a video I want you to listen to along with everybody here. Um, it's from two of your uh, contemporary uh, workers there in the government. As I said, Senator Clyde Chambers, uh, Republican and Chairman Troy Stubbs. And they talk about what they're going to do and what they want to do with the prison budget in Alabama. They are using this as an economic development program, and they are saying it in no uncertain terms. 
The only time that they even mention anything about prisoners, because you know this economic development program needs prisoners, is when they refer to them as the scary people who are trying to do us all harm and need to be protected. And as a matter of fact, the the senator himself says he only represents the wardens. He's concerned with the wardens. In the meantime, 35,000 bodies are being uh, exploited. So, Scotty, if you can chew that up, I would love for everybody to hear the words of this senator yeah, and um, Chairman So, Max, so Max um, I'm having trouble with that link, as I indicated to you in the chat. Um, I do will have to go through your Facebook profile to find it, and I'm not sure of the length. But we I, have. I will, it's, it's only a few minutes long. Okay, but listen, on, listen. We have, have a call. Radio, we have a caller. So you can uh, get it from there. So Max, we have a caller. Um, Nine oh three been hanging on patiently, and they actually wanted to ask a question earlier. And we are up against our break, so we will go to nine oh three afterwards. We'll take a station identification break a little late. Um, then we will uh, go into that vi- video, and uh, Mr. Boyd is welcome to stay around and uh, respond to uh, those people in uh, the state of Alabama, those politicians. Is that cool? Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Area code 903. Thank you for calling in the New Abolitionist Radio. Do you have a question for our guest, Dr. Will Boyd, who is running for a lieutenant governor as a Democrat in the state of Alabama, or any comments or questions for uh, um, the host? This is uh, Swift Justice. Can y'all hear me? Yes, sir. What's happening, Swift Justice? Uh, What's going on, fellas? How you doing, Dr. Dr. Will Boyd? Swift Justice is the reason Dr. Will Boyd is here, as a matter of fact. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a shout-out to you earlier, brother. I'm glad that you're here. So I'm sure you and have I, a question. And, I, and I'm glad that I was able to get on today. Uh, and uh, I think Connecticut is on soon waiting. Uh, Dr. Will Boyd, I, I was listening to you. I was listening to you real close. And uh, I heard you mentioning, uh, I'm talking about words that we like to use to, to, uh, to a degree of importance. And that modern-day slavery thing is our focus, as I'm sure you already know. Modern-day slavery inside of the state of Alabama goes on without saying to an extent that is just unbelievable to the individuals who do not realize what actually takes place inside these prisons each and every single day. Uh, But one of the things that I wanted to really touch on is the word rehabilitation. Every last politician that we have heard speak and that does – uh, lean to the inclination of, uh, of doing something about modern-day slavery, pretty much it misses that word rehabilitation. And the recidivism rate being so high has to do with that word, rehabilitation. Now, here in the state of Alabama, and I'm going to go ahead and let you know, I'm in prison in the state of Alabama. And anything that I say to you, I can pretty much, you know, it's 100% concrete. I'm not going to lie about it. But there is no such thing as rehabilitation inside of the Alabama Department of Corrections. So in order to ensure that in your campaign or even in office, once you get in office, what would you do to ensure that? Because these SAP programs, these drug programs that you're saying and and that you mentioned earlier about being uh, brought in for X number of dollars and then knocked down for X number of dollars, I mean, it is what it is. It's just a program on paper, but it's not existing inside the prison system. And once these guys do get out, what are they getting out with and what are they getting out to? 
that is the cause of the recidivism rate, and that is the purpose and the, the system, systematic way that it was designed to make sure that they return day in and day out. I have done many, many years, and I have watched these guys come in and get out, come in and get out, come in and get out because of the failures that they were set up for. I believe that was the question for you, Dr. Dr. Boyd. He might have his phone okay. on you. I'm sorry. I, I'm muted again. I'm sorry. I was thanking you for the conversations we have, and I appreciate your 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 you, you sharing. Let me just mention um, when you when you speak of social theory of crime, there are four words that are often used: deterrence, incapacitation, retribution, and rehabilitation. I actually, again, you can hear, actually can hear my wife playing the organ in, in the next, uh, next room over. But long story short, we actually ran a program out of St. Mark, which we go two years into the prison and to the jails, and we try to make sure we prepare people for transition to get out. Two years, we stabilize them, and for additional two years, we're making sure we help further beyond stabilizing them, getting them where they need to go in terms of education, et cetera. So even though that word rehabilitation is, is, is thrown out, I understand clearly from a, from, a, from a statistical point of view that when we look at those people who are unlikely to offend and go back in for recidivism, people who have college degrees rarely, rarely reoffend. And so every time I mention that we need to push post-secondary learning or college education to the college, People always push back and say, well, now, why would you do that? People only have a seventh and eighth grade education. No, we need to prepare people so that they can get a, a, a competitive job when they get out. We need to prepare people so that whenever they get towards reentry, that they have abilities to have far beyond minimal funds, contact skills. We need to make sure that they, they have been properly equipped to do extremely well on the outside. So when I threw out rehabilitation in that social theory terminology, it's nothing like what you heard anybody else say, who, again, is hard on crime. I'm pushing something just the opposite. I realize we are in prison for a particular reason. There is an offense that may have been committed. But we need to make sure that we, we, we have, inside the prison system, ways to put people back to work, to earn a money, to be able to live and feel that you are free from harm or danger by those who have you uh, uh, under watch, if you want to say it that way. And then let's just be very blunt and very honest. I used the word, I used two words, behavioral therapy earlier. Earlier, The goal some people have had all along, whether they call it rehabilitation or not, is I strip you of your dignity. I make you feel like you're less than a man or a woman. I make you feel dependent on, on me. And, and, and all of a sudden, you can't do anything but remain in that mentality. So we've got to break that mold, that stereotype. Wow. And I know that's bold, that's radical, but that's what it takes to get past incarceration that is overused, expensive, and offensive to democratic values. Hey, you just described slavery pre-1865. That was the goal, to strip them of all their dignity, rob them of their humanity. Um Man, we do appreciate Swift Justice uh, calling in. Just wanted to let you know, Dr. Boyd, Max has a five-minute five video of these opponents, I think he described them as, that he wants to listen to. 
want you to listen to. So we're going to delay our break if you have time to give a listen to this video. And then I'll, we'll I'll let hang you out go. with you as long as you want. Oh, uh, okay, cool. Just a disclaimer, these are not my Republican opponents for a lieutenant governor. You, you're telling me these are the, again, Senator Clyde Chambers and somebody yeah, else, Yeah, they're right? not your opponents. They're just people that you'll be likely working with uh, there yes, in yes, Alabama. Yes, yes. Senator Clyde just Chambers a disclaimer. and Chambers. <laughs> But, yes, yeah. Sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, Max. So I'm gonna just go ahead and then take this short station identification break. Again, you're listening to New Abolitionist Radio. We are on the Black Talk Radio Network. Um, dot com. That's the web address. Every Wednesday night live at eight o'clock p.m. Eastern time. And you be sure to check out our podcast. Again, that's on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Look for New Abolitionist Radio. We'll be right back uh, after this uh, short break. We're gonna go right into that video. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Elmore County is ground zero of any prison reform efforts in the state. The county is home to five facilities operated by the Alabama Department of Corrections, which create a total of 595 jobs. Elmore has the most correctional facilities of any county in the state, the facilities here make up about 17% of the DOC's total employment. Chairman, give me an idea of what the Elmore County Commission is doing to preserve the Department of Corrections presence in Elmore County. Yeah, we're very focused on doing what's best for Elmore County and the citizens here. We have a lot of exposure uh, to the corrections uh, business here in Elmore County. We've got several prisons, lots of employees. And so we want to make sure that we're doing what's best for the citizens here and protecting our uh, economic interest and, and the jobs here. It's not just Elmore County that benefits from these jobs in, in the Department of Corrections facilities. That's right. We have over a $30 million payroll and over 700 jobs here. And many of those employees do come from surrounding counties, Autauga County, Tallapoosa, Coosa County, and Montgomery County. And so we recognize that this is a, a regional um, event that we need to uh, monitor and, and get the pulse of uh, throughout the legislative process. Saying the reform process is fluid is an understatement. The current bill has made it out of the state senate and is up for debate in the house. It can be amended and changed, which means a conference committee from both chambers must hash out the differences and then each chamber must pass the cobbled together version of the bill. Then it goes to Governor Robert Bentley for his signature and legislative days are ticking away. Senator, you were key in getting the current prison reform bill out of the Senate into the House. Give us an idea of why you think the bill is going to work. What are the strengths? Well, there's a couple of key components. Uh, one is we did away with the design build aspect and went back to the current design bid aspect that we use in state government now. So that was a big, uh, a big win to try to get that out. Uh, but the biggest issue is, uh, especially with Elmore County, and uh, making sure that we keep those jobs there and uh, have that opportunity. Uh, the way the bill is structured now, uh, Elmore County has a say in what's going to happen. Uh, the original bills, they really had no say. It was just going to happen. Now we have some ability to affect the process. So that's a, that's a big, big win in the bill. Clyde, Elmore County is in your district. How important is it to keep all the prisons in Elmore County? Well, it's very important, but more important than that is the wardens who are there in those prisons, working in those prisons. 
those wardens are the ones who are protecting us as a society from those who would seek to do us harm. I represent those wardens. So getting them uh, and the prisons into a, a more secure, a more stable environment is very, very important because those wardens deserve to go home to their families every night. Now, what about the economic development for Elmore County? How important is that for the continued economy? It is important, and uh, if one of these prisons are built there, it actually would be an increase probably from around 400 jobs to 700 jobs. So it could be a significant economic uh, positive impact if, if, the, if a new prison's built there. Yeah, everybody wants to think that if they were alive during slavery, they'd be an abolitionist. Everybody wants to think that if they were active during the time of lynching, they'd be rallying against and trying to prevent lynchings. Most of us believe that if we were alive, and in a position to march in the 1950s would be on the side of Dr. King. But today we're in the face of all of these problems. One in three black male babies is expected to go to jail or prison. Uh, there are these constant unarmed shootings, shootings of unarmed black people. And the question is, if we're not prepared to respond to these issues, if we're not prepared to act today, then I don't think we can claim that we would have acted any differently during slavery and lynching and segregation. So that consciousness for me is critical to creating our institutions, not just the press, but our courts, the police, law enforcement, our elected officials, uh, to think differently about this continuing legacy of bias and discrimination that manifests itself all the time, all the time. And that's the challenge that I see us trying to take on with these cultural projects. There you have it. Uh, you heard it with your own ears. Uh, that was starting with Chairman Troy Stubbs and County Commissioner in District 3. Then there was Senator Clyde Chambers. And finally, it was Brian Stevenson. All three of those are Alabamians. And the interview came from Marty Roney. Elm is titled, Elmore County is Ground Zero to Any Prison Reform from the Montgomery Advertiser. Wow, man. I mean, just the way that uh, those... Uh, uh, politicians were describing it and the benefits of modern slavery. Just the benefits of modern slavery for your count, county. Build more prisons. You know, so we focus a lot on just the private sector, the private prisons, which usually houses more immigrants when you look at the nation's, you know, Trump's immigration policies right now. And they're creating a demand for private prisons by separating uh, those migrant children from their mothers. But the way he was describing it, you know, the the average citizen come get a prison plantation job and 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 just a oh without just you know using the term slavery but that's what you're talking about profiting off of just warehousing people and often even using the state itself and I'm speaking on North Carolina because I know about North Carolina but using them as cheap labor you know. A dollar a day. That's still slave wages. So all, you know, victims of slavery pre-1865, some of them also got wages and how they was able to save up and, and buy their own uh, freedom. But just because someone's getting paid, that wage is a dollar. You know, that's slave wages compared. And these people have families at home. They have liabilities to, to the victims if they committed a crime. Um, they have things they need to purchase for themselves. So, you know, all the, wow, I don't mean to go on the rant there, but um, Dr. Will, how, how do you see what you heard? Uh, you, you know, it almost sounds like an us versus, versus them type narrative. And 
I think what you had was uh, you have individuals who are thinking purely from an economic standpoint, home rule, uh, how can we get involved with the process of putting people to work in our area? I, I, I get that. I understand that. But you also heard the language that you want to make sure that our people are protected from them, those particular people in so many words. Uh, as long as it's an us versus them and not us all working together, uh, where there's a warehousing effect, uh, we're not doing anything to make the situation better. Recidivism won't get any better. And what people fail to realize is in a given year, between 600,000 and 700,000 former inmates are actually going to be released. So when, when, when we think about uh, how money could and should be spent, we should be thinking about not just trying to put people to work in a particular county uh, just to say that they have a job. Let's make sure that the jobs that they're doing, as I said earlier, rehab, training, uh, educating behind bars, leads again to lower recidivism, not just more people watching over, being guards, uh, being wardens. We need people who are committed to true preparation for coming out of prisons. Right now in Alabama, we're, you know, we're, we're struggling with severe overcrowding. Uh, we're struggling with the inability to pay our bills because we run what we call a structural deficit every year. We run it for decades because we don't have enough revenue coming in to, to pay our bills. So until somebody thinks long and hard about, again, recidivism, uh, spending money on rehabilitation, and I know that word, the sensitive word, but again, that's from a social theory point of view, really trying hard to make sure we prepare people for what we quote unquote call jobs in the outside world. I just think we're going to, it's a recipe for a disaster. So we have to change our way of thinking and really put ourselves in the shoes of those who are like our uh, swift justice making sure that we are understanding what it's like on both sides and, and, and to be a compassionate servant leader who wants to fight for people who are wardens and, 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 and officers, but also those who are incarcerated. We have a question, Max. Uh, I'm not sure if you see the board, but we also... Okay, no, have, I can't see the board, Scott. I'm sorry. Yeah, we have a, a Virginia abolitionist and, and contributor to New Abolitionist Radio, Otis, on the line. He has a question or comment for uh, Dr. B uh, Will Boyd. Otis? Hello, gentlemen. I just heard him talk about uh, some of the people he would be responsible for appointing if he were to win. So I just want to quickly ask you, does that also cover some of this funding for public defenders and uh, the use of jails to stockpile people? Because the, the local and state jails have just as many occupants as the prisons do. So I just want to know how you feel about that, too. Bail bonds. Would you please repeat the question for me? I could barely hear it, I'm, and I'm sorry. Maybe just it's probably just my connection. Were, oh, were you asking if, as lieutenant governor, would I have any say over uh, pardons and paroles or, or, or um, no? Otis, let me restate it. It seemed like, he's, yeah. Um, what Otis is asking about is most of the 2.5 million people that um, are affected by prisons are also, you know, part of that 2.5. Uh, five, three or 2.3 million people is in jails and many of them haven't even been convicted and just sitting there warehouse providing jobs 
for deputies and other overseers and and they haven't even been convicted of a of, of a uh, crime. They sitting in there presumed innocent cause they don't have the money to make jail bond. And then there's also the issue, you know, of racism against uh, black poor people uh, in certain counties. You know, Ferguson is America is a report we did based on what the FBI found uh, when they went in and investigated uh, Ferguson. So he's asking about the issue of, you know, uh, high bonds, bonds being set high, and just putting people in that jail presumed innocent that don't even need to be there, that that can't are only there because they can't afford to make bail. Otis, am I correct? Is that what you're getting at, sir? Yes, exactly, Scotty. The, the, and, and funding public defenders because we know that's a national problem. Yes, sir. Uh, number one, uh, I keep saying equal sentences for equal justice. Or uh, this this matter is not just again at the local level. It goes all the way up through judgeships. It it it, it requires a total overhaul of the prison, uh, the the criminal justice system. A new way of thinking. Uh, right now, we have obviously you know in every state, but even in Alabama, we have people who are just sitting waiting. Uh, yes, we have people who un- have unfair bonds that are set. This, again, goes back to the days of even President Obama. Fair Sentencing Act, equal justice, equal crimes. We have to have this push all the way through. Otherwise, we will continue to see the warehousing that you're speaking of. So this has to stop. And, and again, my appointments as lieutenant governor, and, I, and I, again, I mentioned that there are over 100, 167 different areas you appoint to 400 different people we have to have people who don't think the same way as they did before but people who see it the way we're discussing tonight who want to make sure they go in and bring about this reform that is needed so again just just some of the areas that 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 fall under the governor's reach are as you well know mental health pardons and paroles and it goes on and on and on so yes we need change all the way up and down even the area the uh there are independent agencies that we have, obviously, in Alabama, like criminal justice information. Uh, uh, we have another one called the uh, – uh, can't get the exact name of it, but it's Office of Prosecution Services is what it is. Uh, we have ethics commissions. All of these commissions need to have people who are appointed to it who, again, understand the highest level of, of, of integrity and ethics and, and basically how to be more humane. Uh, right now, I believe the United States should and could reduce its prison population and make conditions more humane for people behind bars. Uh, these reforms have to be made wisely. They, they have to be calculated. But if we do this right, we can significantly reduce the negative consequences of people being in prison in the United States and the social damage that it causes large scale and in terms of large-scale incarceration. That definitely needs to be changed. Um, I'd like to take it back as well about the video. What we were listening to was the senator and the chairman for the commission, of the commissioner of D3 talking about, as you said, prisons in a purely economic idea, uh, just generating resources, generating funds, helping to build up the Elmore County area in particular, by building new prisons there so that they can get jobs. But they're talking about this thing without even considering for a single moment 
the human cost. These prisons need to be filled. So I guess they're assuming that their prison population of 200% is just going to keep growing so they can fill these prisons with more and more people in order to generate income for the freaking city and the county. And I think that is criminal at the highest level, personally, because you're not even thinking about it as a justice system now. You're thinking about it like you would make an investment in a stock. You're putting your money into this so you can generate resources and revenue to help fund the county, very much like it was found in Ferguson when the Department of Justice investigated them and found that they were doing the same thing. So I, I, I think we didn't really touch on that aspect of it. You started to. I would love to hear a little bit more about how you feel in regards to your uh, to Brian Stevenson, Senator Clyde Chambers, and Chairman Troy Stubbs' comments in regards to an economic development program called Prisons in Alabama. Well, I think you and I have had a discussion before that even as it relates to the prison reform bill, and you heard terms like design bill. Uh, design and bid, you do, yes. Yeah, you design and bid. And then ultimately they design bill. Let me tell you what I mean by that. The same group of people who you propose uh, are going to design it, are going to build it. There is no bidding involved. Uh, that, that, is, that is not the way the process should be. It should be that a bidding process is in between the building process. And, and, and whoever, of course, as you said earlier, you were, we were talking about something totally different, healthcare, but you heard how it related to the quality of, of and then care and then overall cost savings, so to speak. Here, we don't even talk about costs. It's just whoever does, sits at the table, table of three, four, five, this is what we want to build. Here are the architectural plans. Let's make it happen. It has to be open. It has to be transparent. We have certain commissions right now that haven't even had open meetings in years so that the people of the state know what we're doing behind closed doors. We have FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act. We have call for, you know, sunshine, uh, treatment of laws and, and, and practices. And I've even written a book, Can You Hear Me Now?, uh, where I talk about the importance of making sure we articulate what our values and beliefs are. But we do a lot of stuff behind closed doors. And so I keep arguing, when you talk about privatization of even the prison system, we can talk about Social Security another day on another show, but you're talking about basically the end game of trying to make money off of warehousing, to make money off of putting people behind bars. That is not the right approach. You have to go back again to look at why people are incarcerated in the first place, why there is a disproportionate amount of certain people who are behind bars relative to their percentage of the overall population. Until we get judges on the bench, people at the highest levels who want to enforce or push what I'm saying today, we are not going to see changes. We can talk on the radio. We can, we can march. We can fight. We can do everything we can. But it takes change within. So I appreciate radio shows like yours and, and others who are fighting to make sure we, we bring into life what people are saying behind closed doors and maybe in some open meetings. But going back to what we said and, and, and asking your question specifically again, this is not just about economics. I tell people every day I want to put 75,000 Alabamians back to work, but I recognize there's a cost to everything. What I mean by that, and I know we're, we're, out of, we're running out of time, but in Alabama, we basically run our state on the backs of the poor and the middle class. 
we have an unfair tax system that unfairly burdens the poor people. We have a grocery tax that hits the poor people, people that we're talking about behind the prison bars and some, some are in and out behind those prison bars. Long story short, when, when you talk about ways to bring about change, you, if I pull the grocery tax out, that's going to pull millions out of, out, of, out of revenues. So if you're going to talk about prison reform, building prisons, putting people to work, don't just give the economic side of what it means to put people in Elmore County or Lauderdale County, Limestone County, Madison County, back to work. That's a good thing. We all want to do that. But also talk about whether or not we're being humane about the treatment of people behind the prison bars. And again, I know people have this flawed, perhaps, way of thinking that, well, a person did the crime, they deserve the, rough, the roughest of times. But that is not what prisons are designed for. That is not we keep going back to the 13th Amendment. We are not warehousing people to, to treat them in a inhumane fashion. Just the opposite. Uh, aside from those conviction following fellows of moral turpitude uh, that prohibits people from voting, we have, we have to give people dignity when they're preparing to come out. Uh, prepare them again for reentry. When they get out, there needs to be uh, an expungement summit somewhere. There needs to be uh, felony and misdemeanor expungements and, 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 and sealings and juvenile record expungements. And, and we need to make sure we, we help people get their criminal history uh, actually removed. Once they've done the time, it, it, it's a little bit more than, than just saying, hey, you've done your time, you, you, you've paid your restitution. We need to get it to where a person is not actually still looked at the rest of their life because of something they did wrong. I have people right now, every time I give away furniture who come to my house, who have three and four doctors. I don't have three or four doctors, but they have three or four doctors, and they can't work anyplace else but the salvage restore place because of their past convictions. We have to do better all over the United States, not just Alabama, to where when a person does the time, they get out and they do well. So, again, I, I, I know I'm sounding like I'm, I'm saying a whole lot, but when you heard the, clearly on the line, on the, on the video, one-third black males are, yep. are heading towards prison when, when you when you see the unarmed african-american people being shot uh at again high levels we need to put the not just i'm using that person's words i don't know who it was the senator or commissioner who it was. we need to really pump the brakes we need to say say hold it stop it something's wrong here and and and, and, and while we're on the line there are people i shouldn't even say this but there are people who are actually telling me they don't think an African-American should even be lieutenant governor. They don't think that an African-American can ever be elected to a constitutional office. This happens at every level. It's not just mm -hmm. behind bars. It is every day. And until we get people who will boldly step up and tweet, go on Facebook, have shows like yours, go on the air, use the lieutenant governor bully to, uh, to explain what, uh, what's going on, we're not going to see change. So, again, I'm all about articulation of my values, my beliefs, why I think we need change. And I believe when we get more people who are speaking the same way, we're going to see some changes. So, again, I know I've said a lot, but I'm just trying to make that point. We need fair sentencing. We need to make sure that, again, we push for everybody to have a fair shot. With everybody. Crowley. I'm in the church, so I close by saying all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, 
if we think that we're any better than anybody else just because we're on the outside, we're all one event away from being behind those bars ourselves. I wonder how some, some people who are talking and on videos and on these tapes would feel if they had to take a visit on the inside and see what it's really like. Dr. It would be a totally different story. Dr. I'd like to think that we have an abolitionist ally and friend who is going to be Lieutenant Governor of Alabama. And I think uh, at the very top of the list of things to do in Alabama, uh, you might consider the Alabama State Constitution, Section 32, which you and I have read together, slavery prohibited, involuntary servitude, that no form of slavery shall exist in this state, and there should be not any involuntary servitude otherwise than for the punishment of crime of which the party shall have been duly convicted. That is how they turn human beings into state property. And then think about economic development programs that include imprisoning people in their state. Dr. So, yes, Will, right there at the top. Dr. Will, I want to thank you for your time tonight. And if you will, before you go, uh, give your contact information like your campaign website, if you got any social media where people can interact with you, especially voters of Alabama, please take that opportunity to do so now. And we want to thank you again I, for sharing our time. And I, your time. I, people always ask, thank you so much for allowing me to be on the program. People always say, well, uh, do you have a team of people who are answering these questions on Facebook, on Twitter? It's me. And so I try to get every question answered. If I don't, forgive me, shoot it to me again, I'll do my best. But Will Board for Alabama, my motto, my slogan is leading Alabama forward. Uh, if you want to write me, you can write me at P.O. Box 475, P.O. Box 475, Florence, Alabama, 35631-0475. you want to email me, you can email me at info at willboardforalabama.com, info at willboardforalabama.com. If you want to tweet me, uh, you can actually get me at at W-I-L-L. B-O-Y-D-F-O-R-A-L at Will Boyd for A-L. You want to go on Facebook, look me up at uh, Dr. Will Boyd or Dr. Will Boyd for Alabama. Actually, there are a few more pages out there, too. But reach out to me, tweet me, ask me any question you want. I will do my best to respond and do it truthfully. I will tell you what, what I'm all about. But I'm all about getting people employed. I'm all about education, health care, justice and the environment. A whole lot more, but that's my contact info. I would appreciate your vote. Those of you can get out there and let people know on November 6th that I'm on the ballot uh, and that I not only have a chance to win, but I will win and I have a real plan to lead Alabama forward. And I'd appreciate anybody who may be incarcerated, may be uh, unable to vote, uh, that they, you would tell two or three people who can that there's a man who may be to bring about some change in Alabama so that ultimately I might be able to have my dignity back and one day be able to, to cast a vote as well. Amen. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio right here on the Black Talk Radio Network. We were just speaking with uh, Dr. Will Boyd, the Democratic candidate for the position of lieutenant governor in Alabama. We'll be right back after these messages.
Black Talk Radio, your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. Peace and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. I want to say thank you to uh, Dr. Will Boyd for joining us here today and being brave enough to have this type of conversation and leading the way. Uh, we look forward to interacting with him uh, much more in the future and making change in Alabama and nationwide. Thank you to the callers who uh, participated today, particularly our brother Swift Justice. And I don't know if Kinetic Justice is out there, if he was listening, but we love you, brother. And uh, you got our support, the Free Alabama Movement. We are in the final stages of our program, and uh, we got our two segments to go. Scotty, was there anything else or any calls you want to take in before we uh, get into our final segments? Um, yes. Actually, we're going to listen to about another five minutes of our debut show, which was June 5th, 2013. And, and again, recognize all of you who have been on this journey with us, uh, who, who was there from the beginning or joined us maybe within the last six months. Uh, we're always getting requests for people to join Move to Abolish 21st Century Slavery. But as Max said on that debut show, we only got like 3,500 members. And when Erica X expressed, you know, uh, her abolitionist, and Max said, if only we had a million more. So uh, we are on here to convert abolitionists. But I want especially, though, for us to hear uh, those prophetic seeds that that was planted. So um, then we could go into our profile of our abolitionists and as well as our writer and close it on up as we prepare for Mind, Body, and Spirit Radio coming up. By name, you know, because it wouldn't serve any purpose and I don't want to be and that it is an evil institution and you want to lend a hand to bringing awareness, to bringing attention and, and participating in projects to target the human traffickers and enslavers, then I don't care about nothing else. What you do outside of the group, uh, what you post on your Facebook page, on your Twitter account, that's your business. As long as you stay focused on the issue of 21st century slavery, when you come to our group, move to abolish 21st century slavery. I would like to state, however, that where I stand, yeah, I, I do, I totally agree with that. I would like to state, however, that where I stand from, because I'm an activist, I stand on the part of us being oppressed, but I welcome anyone. But that's just because you have to help. Uh, I just see it more because of who I am and how it affected me. And so I see how it affects African-American people and poor people. And that's the, that's the avenue I, I attack it from. But I, I totally agree that any doesn't matter what type of religious background, what's your political, that doesn't matter. As long as we want to get rid of this, I totally agree. Yep. And, and I'm the anarchist of the group. I'm the barbarian. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. I definitely agree on that. We can, as long as we can come together for a common goal, I'm, I'm happy. I don't want us to be here for a million different reasons. I want us to be here for one reason, to end slavery. You know, and, and uh, for me, I find it hard to distinguish the difference between corporate slavery and uh, the prison, the prison industrial mm -hmm. com complex, or just the prison system itself. Because when I really came fully awoke was when I saw the movie, uh, slavery by another name and mm -hmm. it really impressed upon me where it was hidden at when they it, oh, yeah. you know uh, when the uh, emancipation proclamation was put out immediately after that they switched from slavery to prisons leasing out black people 
people that they had arrested for the dumbest stuff, like spitting in the street or looking sideways mm -hmm. at an apple. You know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. The strangest laws and locking them up just like they were getting them with slaves. And then Scotty has impressed on me over the years that I've known him about the police originating from the slave catchers. So, yeah, those things made made an impact on my life and made me understand what's where we're at and how it got hidden and why people don't know. Let's welcome, that. Let's welcome into uh, the conversation. We have a caller, looks like from South Carolina. Your last four is 6218. Please state your name. Go ahead with your uh, comments or questions. Peace, what's going on? This is Palmetto Star, the Ratchet Revolutionary. Hey, Max. Hey, what's going on, Black Hawk Radio family? Greetings. Um, hey, what's going on? Uh, I have to say this. Uh, I completely disagree with the with the current state of things as far as the uh, prison systems and everything like that. And, and it is modern day slavery. I mean, it's not it's not something that is disguised. It's completely in your face. Uh, about the motivation and uh, the the different ways that it is slavery. My thing is that we have to have not everybody, but we have to have a critical mass of people. And I put myself in a, in this um, group, and I put an invitation out there for other people to actually refuse to go into that system. I refuse to go to jail right now. I will. Ref I refuse. I will die before I go to jail or go to prison because I know what it is. I already know what it is. So, I mean, um, you know, I mean, we, we have to make that decision. We, and, and, you know, it is exploitation. It is slavery. So are we going to just willingly go into it and just, uh, you know, enslave ourselves basically on our own tax dollars? I mean, that's what we're doing. We're enslaving ourselves. We're, we're creating the monsters that we, we wish to control. You know, what you just you said right there, Palmetto. Oh, I'm sorry. No, what you I just was said right there, Palmetto. Well, actually, you go, ladies first. I'm sorry. I'm, I, no, I apologize. <laughs> I, I cut you off. You can go ahead. I'll be quiet. <laughs> um, well, no, actually, I'll wait for you. Go ahead. No problem, ladies okay. first. Can you please clarify what you mean that by we are um, creating this? When you say we...
crazy, but they're going to get paid regardless, and we're paying for it. So okay, so if, 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 okay, um, so how? Go ahead, that's Sister that's Erica. I was going to say, so, okay, so that really sounds like say something to do nothing, because you we all seen um, what we I'm sorry. Uh, I said that sounds like to me saying something to do nothing because we all seen what? Wesley Snipes, Lauren Hill just go to prison and they have more money than I have and I don't know how much guys, money you guys have. They have a lot of money and they talk the same thing. I think that those are, I mean, I think that those, I mean, I, I mean, there may be ideology, but how many people are going to go to jail to stop, um, stop something when they, Everybody, when, when, when most of the people hate each other, especially the high class and the low class. So I'm pa confused. Palmetto Star, um, I understand well, I where you're coming from. Uh, excuse me. Um, let's let's try to be uh, cordial towards each other. Let's let each other finish. I am cordial. Uh, finish. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, was that me? No, I wasn't talking no, to you, Sister it. Erica. Okay. I'm okay. saying let's let's Same keep it advantage. organized so that we don't step on each other and let the other person mm -hmm. finish talking. Um, Palmetto Star, I understand where she's coming from, and I understand where you're coming from. Okay, that would mean that would mean like she used some great examples. They just put Wesley Snipes on the prison plantation for not paying his taxes, a uh, quote unquote, you know, allegedly not paying his taxes. So you know. I don't think a lot of people, I mean, number one, if you're working on a plantation job for a corporation, you can't really stop them from taking your taxes out of your paycheck before they pay you. So I understand where she's coming from. You know, how can you stop that? Well, then I would say, well, get behind anti-tax movements. You know, Ron Paul for the longest has talked about, you know, abolishing the IRS, that we shouldn't even be paying uh, taxes and so I mean I understand what you're saying but being that you are paying taxes then if you don't want your tax dollars being used to enslave people then you need to really step forward and make that known mm -hmm. well not only do I do that I also um, I would, my thing is I refuse to go to jail I will die before I go to jail that's just, and it's not for everybody this is not for everybody. Right. But right now I'm at the point where I know what it is. I know what I know what the prison industrial complex is. I know what jail is. I know what the legal system is. It's a legal way for slavery. Um the way uh, me and Max we go back a long time, we actually edited a police chase that I was involved in in which the police came at me um in a really crooked manner. They, you know, they just made up a whole bunch of stuff about they how they saw drugs in the car. In the backseat of your car. A single seed at night in the backseat of your car. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, um, and they attempted to take me out and they said they were going to, um, they said they were going to tase me and all sorts of stuff. And I left. I left the thing. It was um, at that point where, you know, I started to be more defiant because I was like, no, this is not right. This is not right. I'm not going to go into the system because you want me to go into the system just because you have something, because you want to say something. No, I, I refuse. So, I mean, I know that I understand it's not for everybody, and I'm not saying don't pay your taxes. I'm saying I refuse to go to jail. I will die before I go to jail, or I will, someone will die before I go to jail. I'm not going to jail. I'm, I'm not. I really, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. 
I really appreciate your stance and your fire and what you're willing to do. I just don't think that's a, that's a feasible um, mechanism for everybody to do or something that's going to make it stop. Yeah, and make them stop what we're trying to stop. I appreciate your, um, your, you know, your suggestion and your input. However, I think that we still need to take a lot more to find out what else we need to do to solve this issue. I just don't think because successful people go to jail, and I mean, I don't, I don't have a job. I work for myself, and, and I, have a, I have a government contract though, and they make you do certain things. This, mm-hmm. they, have you guys just remember uh, Malcolm X's uh, grandson was just murdered? They can do whatever they want. They killed ninety uh, percent of the Inca Indians. The, I mean, need I go on that tangent? They can do whatever they want. We need to organize. You, you know, um, Sister Erica, um, the key thing is, and I kind of agree with him. And it, there are there's room for everybody. Um, people yeah, are going to have that, yeah. have different levels of how far they're willing to go, or different levels of mm-hmm. commitment. Me myself, you know, I'm prepared. I understand. You know, uh, 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 Palmetto Star is saying he's not going to jail. You know, um, either he's going to die, or somebody else is going to die. Well, I'm not ready to 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 go to that level of commitment. I, but at the same time, I'm not going to tell somebody not to. Because that's their. I conscience. never told them that. Yeah. Right? No, you yeah. ne- You didn't. You did not. Yeah. And, and yeah, let's make that clear. You did not. But I am willing to go in the prison plantation um, as far as some of my activities go. You know, I'm willing to put my f- so-called freedom on the line, and you know how free we really are is a matter of debate. But you know, I'm willing to be put behind some bars. That is my level of commitment. If I see one of these people that we're putting uh, information out on, identifying by putting their faces and names out, if I see one of these people in a restaurant or whatnot, you know what? I might go dump a bottle of ketchup on top of their head and says that represents the blood of all the slaves that that you've been, you know, enslaving on your plantations. And you know I'm going to get arrested for assault or something like that, okay? I'm ready to do that. I'm willing to do that. You know, when I look back at, at the prior movements, um, you know, look at some of the slave rebellions. Look at Gullah Jack. Look at uh, Vesey. I mean, Denmark Vesey, okay? They put. They were willing to put their lives on the line. Denmark Vesey was a free black person in an Episcopal church who conspired with a enslaved African by the name of Gullah Jack. This was in South Carolina, in Charleston, South Carolina. And they knew that the penalty was death for a slave revolt or an enslaved African revolt. But Denmark Vesey, who was not being enslaved, put his freedom and his life on the line. So I'm willing to go just as far in my commitment. Let me say this, Scotty. I I am I will totally put my life on the line for my commitment for 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 my purpose cause or any other cause that I stand for for my people. However, I'm just saying that I did not think that I can go out here and get, you know, um, the, a lot of the people, when they're you know sleep and they you know they 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 they're gone the American way and they think taxes is that way. I just didn't think that that would be something that the majority of people would do. Now I on some level right. already do that. Yes, and I'm willing yeah. to I'm willing to I'm, I, and I support him in his in his cause and I support what he does and I respect it to the utmost. I was just saying that I think that we need to keep taking a lot more um, suggestions 
and, and keep building on, on uh, to find a solution because I don't think that that is the solution. And I gave the reasons why, but I don't disrespect what he's doing, and I totally respect anybody who's willing to maybe life on the line or even, you know, refuse the system, uh, and, and, you know, all in a, all in self. I, I, I love that. I, I mean, I do. I just kept saying that I think that in order to make it stop, well, how can we make them take it off the books? What can we do? I remember um, looking back in history, and I used to see um, Martin Luther King um, making um, laws in Congress. You know, why don't we go that way? If they're if they're set up that way, why don't we try and you know testify and write new laws? I don't have any faith in them either, but I'm saying that if you look back in history, that's what they've done. So mm-hmm. and, I, I don't know either, but I'm willing to try. Yeah, and anyway, there's room for everyone. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Palmetto Star. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, I understand that, and like I was saying, it is definitely not for everybody. You know, just like everybody is not in the armed forces, or everybody is not, um, you know, doing those hardline things, it's not for everybody. You know, some people are there to, to report on it, and people are there to witness it, people are there to... Mm-hmm. I, I just believe that we need a, a critical mass, not... The masses, because all the masses are going to do is just witness and die, really, basically. I mean, they're not, the, the, the masses have never been involved in any sort of movement. It's always been a critical mass of people. Um, and I think that we need a critical mass of people that say, you know what? This is enough. I'm not taking any more. I'm not going to go to jail. So, yeah, I, I refuse. So, and I think that if we have, a critical mass of people that has that are just a thousand of people, you know, a thousand people united yeah. to say that yeah. will be enough to start turning the tide. Yeah, I understand that. That's why we don't add people to the group. Um, cause I've been, you know, people adding me to Facebook groups and stuff without my permission, without even asking me if I believe in the cause and, 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 you know, uh, talking to Max, I told him when we first started the group, look, we're not going to add people. Okay. We're going to put out invites and stuff like that, but we're not going to just add people without talking to them first. We want people to willingly join the movement because you know what? Those people will be more dedicated to the cause than if I just add somebody uh, uh, to the group, but I do disagree with you on one point, though. You that is why we're doing uh, this radio program. That is why we produce the media propaganda that we're producing with these uh, um, uh, wanted posters and and putting out information. Mm-hmm. I think that you can uh, re-educate, or you know, if you use great propaganda, that you can convince the masses to get behind that. And I am seeing a mass. A, a, a movement against the drug war, which is directly related to prison slavery. Okay, but they're not willing to go. They're only willing to go so far. You know what I'm saying? But then at the same time, I see where you're coming from, and I totally agree that we do need some that's willing to, you know, do things, do the dirty work, so to speak. Okay. All right. Can anybody hear it. me? We're gonna leave it right there. Um, actually. Uh, caller, we're not taking any calls at this point. We're uh, at the end of our program. We have another program coming on. But uh, Black Rose and Featherlight, uh, the other hosts, give uh, New Abolitionist Radio another 10 minutes. This has been our anniversary show, of course. Um, 
People share the podcast later. Dr. Will Boyd want to vote for him running for lieutenant governor uh, in Alabama as a Democrat. But um, sorry, we are not taking any calls from any more calls. But um, Max, did you would you go ahead and give your comments on uh, what you just heard? I think Erica sold some seeds for congressional hearings, which might uh, happen later. And also the topic of organizing on the inside and making that connection for the from the from the outside in or inside out and and you know just this movement did you have any comments on that max and then if you would go into the profiles in the writer okay uh my comments in regards to our very first program ever we went in this fully committed from the very beginning you can hear it like this is it and i even explained how my wife and i had to sit down and talk and talked about the risks that we would be inviting, doing what we're doing. But it wasn't much different than what we had already done. So uh, we, we all took that very seriously from the very beginning. And we also knew what we had to do. I mean, uh, this wasn't my first rodeo when it comes to helping to build a movement. So I knew some of the things, and you knew as a communication specialist, military trained, some of the things that we had to achieve, like uh, achieving um, a certain critical mass, and we found out later just how much of a critical max we would need, 5%. That's what the abolitionists had in the 1800s. 5% of the population were abolitionists. The rest were either pro-slavery or anti-slavery. And I think, again, prophetic in the way that some of the things we talked about in that very first show are now coming to fruition. So we had a plan, and we worked that plan to bring these visions to uh, light. And hopefully this year, November or December, according to Crystal Roundtree, the Human Rights Network will help us to establish congressional hearings on the 13th Amendment, discovery, hearings of discovery. And I think that will be monumental on a global scale. I agree, man, but to keep it keep it short, let's go ahead and, uh, if you don't mind, doing both the writer and our abolitionist in profile, and then we're going to get out the way for mind, body, and spirit. They have a very important topic, topic to talk about, about black children being... Uh, kidnapped legally just like they kidnapping us into slavery legally through that loophole of 13th Amendment so they coming up right after um, but Max you want to close us out with the profiles yes sir I can do that as a matter of fact I'll just give the short version uh, if you want to uh, check them out in detail you can go on our planning page or our new abolitionist radio on Facebook our rider of the 21st Century Underground Railroad this week is Anthony Ray Hinton he was born June 1st 1956 He's a black man from Alabama who was held on the state's death row for 28 years, 28 freaking years, after being wrongfully convicted of the murder of two restaurant workers in Birmingham uh, in 1985. He was released in 2015 after the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court of the United States, unanimously overturned his conviction, and the state dropped all charges against him. He was recently, his new book was recently uh, on the Oprah Winfrey Book of the Month Club, uh, can't remember exactly what the name of her club is but in any case uh he's been getting a lot of attention for that and the video is available on new abolitionist radio uh then we want to go to our abolitionist in profile and today i picked uh james Gillespie bernie mainly because he is the only abolitionist in alabama that was listed on the uh states or the national national abolitionist archive so finally he's the only abolitionist that they have ever recognized and that is James Gillespie Burney, 1792 to 1857. He was a major voice in the abolitionist movement of the 19th century, and he was the first presidential candidate for the Abolitionist Liberty Party. 
a party that we should have going today, as a matter of fact. So there you have it, our abolitionist in profile and a writer of the 21st Century Underground Railroad. Salute. Salute. So, well, Scotty, uh, closing statements time? Uh, yes, I want to thank Dr. Will Boyd for um, giving our audience, New Abolitionist Radio and the abolitionists across this nation, including those in Alabama. Shout out the Free Alabama Movement. Uh, thank you to Swift Justice for for putting us in contact with these candidates where we can ask them questions in an unscripted fashion. So, you know, thanks to everyone that make, that make these interviews happen and keep the program going. Of course, our donors o- over the years and um, just um, and our callers tonight. So, you know, uh, making making moves, man, even like, again, with the loss of the sister out there in San Diego that was running for DA against the private prison candidate, um, uh, Genevieve uh, Jones-Wright, yes, yeah, she lost. She lost in San Diego. But guess what? She was able to raise these issues in, in a way that they needed to be be raised so abolitionism continues to spread and we are making inroads so thank you again max for accepting you know uh the invitation to launch new abolitionist radio uh those years ago and happy anniversary again to you on the anniversary of our uh seventh season starting uh indeed scotty reed happy anniversary to you again it's been a long road and had his trials and but we have put together uh, a hell of a collection of information and we've woken up uh, quite a few people about this topic in just the past few years we've made history by having at least a dozen different candidates run for office as abolitionists and i remember the first one and we haven't seen anything like that since uh the 1840s <laughs> with john quincy adam when he ran for congress as an abolitionist so yeah indeed there has been a lot that went on I'll keep my uh, final comments as short as possible. Thank you again, Dr. Will Boyd. Good luck in uh, the race. We will support you to the best of our abilities, and we look forward to working with you afterwards to bring some of these visions to light. I want to say shout-out. I'm going to give a shout-out to Palmetto Starr. He's always there. Brother was there at the very beginning, and he's still supported. Uh, The Ratchet Revolutionary. We go way, way back. Here's my final comment. Were the permitted to live to witness the abolition of slavery or not. I felt assured that as I demanded nothing that was not clearly in accordance with justice and humanity, sometime or other, if remembered at all, I shall stand vindicated in the eyes of my countrymen, William Lloyd Garrison. Remember, abolition is a reason for revolution, y'all, so we can finally know some peace. Peace. Rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up. Just lift your eyes up, let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times, if it's time, rise up, rise up, when death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you 
scars our father's children when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing rise up when famine claims millions when justice gives blind eyes to billions when the lord's anger is no longer feared if his protection is gone and your enemies are near if you've seen the seas spill over and the mountains shake break and fall if the moon ever turns blood red and you can't see the sun at all rise up 